Hey, do you ever look at your closet and think you have nothing to wear? Or is it just me? It's not just me, right? This is why I can't believe I didn't discover Armoire clothing rentals earlier. With an Armoire membership, I can now build the perfect wardrobe with high-quality brands that I wouldn't normally think I could afford, such as Philip Lim, Monique Lulier, and Marnie. Doesn't it just sound fancy? To get started, all you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. And then when you're ready for new clothes, boom, swap them out for more new-to-you styles. I recently I recently rented a pale lime green leather blazer from Alice and Olivia. You may have seen it on our Instagram stories. I am obsessed. It's so perfect. If you're like me who doesn't want to spend all that time putting together a look, but also loves looking stylish. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style. That's spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me, I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. So we're doing a check-in episode where we are reaching out to some of your favorite guests to see what's new with them. All right, let's start with our first past guest, Andrew, from season three, episode 14, in an episode called Dating Fatigue. Now, Andrew, the last time we spoke to you, you had been in San Francisco for eight years, and you've been dating for all those eight years and none of them had turned into a real relationship. We talked about how you're basically just sick of dating. And I think a lot of people found that episode extremely relatable. Yeah. You know, going from date after date, being on all these dating apps and having none of them amount to anything. So where are you today? Give us some updates. Well, I took your guys' advice and just kind of kept at it. And you know, didn't get too, you know, turned off by the experience, and it turned out that through OkCupid, I actually met a ridiculously cute, ridiculously lovely lady, and we've been dating for almost a year now, and in fact, we just moved in together in Berkeley. Oh my god, Oh amazing. my gosh, that is incredible. Does she know that you were on this podcast? Uh, yeah, she actually is listening into this currently. Why does she, she should just join in. Tell her to join in. What's her name? No, wait. Oh, I just heard her in the background. Now asking you to join in. Hi. Hi. I'm Jessica. Jessica, so nice to meet you. You too. Is this the most awkward conversation you've ever had with strangers on the phone? I feel like not. I mean, I ride BART pretty regularly, so probably not. I'm sure Andrew's told you about kind of the state he was in uh, before he met you. And I don't know if you listened to his episode carefully or not, but he was very much like about to give up on dating. And Julie and I at that point were actually trying to set him up with someone. And you know, someone actually wrote in. Yeah, they wrote in to meet him, and he's like, actually, I'm in a very happy relationship right now, so unfortunately, I'll have to say no. So yeah. tell us about your... <laughs> Is 
it Shaniqua? Yeah, Shaniqua. Shaniqua. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> you mentioned Shaniqua. <laughs> so Jessica, I want to hear from your side. When you met Andrew, what was it that attracted you to him? Oh, just very confident. Uh, and I, I tend to like guys who are um, pretty sure of themselves and, and what they're doing with their lives. Um, and he definitely had a passion for something, and he was pursuing it. And I think that was the main thing. And he also just really put me at ease. I was really nervous when we went out for the first time, and he he noticed and called it out and said I didn't need to be nervous and sort of here's why, and oh, it helps. Oh, nice. Did you get any sense of this dating fatigue that we're talking about? I mean, I think not on the first date, but, you know, a little bit in, definitely. We've both been dating people online, you know, meeting people online on and off. So we, we definitely talked about it. Yeah. And now you guys have been together for a year. You're moving in together. We're living I, together. Right, this, is, <laughs> this is a huge step for both of you. What was it? Like, give me a number on date, number, whatever. That's when you knew that this would be for the long term. Four. For me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I maybe I'm a little more cautious, but that does not mean I do not love you. Uh, <laughs> I think. God, when did we start talking about it? It was pretty early, though. No. We started talking about. It I mean, we started were, with it. We did. Yeah. We did early on, but probably not till a couple months in. No. Uh, actually, you know, it wasn't. We didn't really get serious about. Uh, actually moving in together. It's like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Nice. And then it's kind of like everything clicked together. Yeah. If someone is in this state of being fatigued by dating, what is some advice you give them? How can they get to a point where you guys are at right now? Keep going at it until you find the right person, the right situation, until you feel that you are in the right situation. Don't give up, never surrender. <laughs> I think it's never give up, never surrender. Sure, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, and I guess for me, I would say don't do it if it's not fun, mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than what Andrew's saying, but um, I definitely have lots of friends dating online right now, and I feel really happy for them when I hear them saying, you know, I've had a lot of bad dates, and I'm, I'm dating fatigued, and I'm just going to take a break, and I feel really good for them about that, because I think it's not that you can't meet somebody while dating fatigued, clearly, but if you're not having fun, what are you doing? Yeah. It's I mean, dating. It's not, you know... It should be fun. I mean, if it's a chore, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Not to, I think as, as a woman, at least, that's what I'm hearing from my friends. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, shouldn't feel like a job. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I'm, we're super happy for you yeah, guys. Yeah, very happy. <laughs> this is amazing. Going from, I mean, you did a complete 180, Andrew. I guess. I mean, yeah. like, you caught me in, I guess, a, uh, a period where I was definitely happy to tell my dating fatigue story. Um, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <the> sound effect. <laughs> but um but I, it 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 was I don't know, kismet, uh, fate, whatever you want to call it, it just kinda worked. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson that things can change real fast. Real fast. All about timing too. Okay, cool. Well, um, we'll leave you guys to bicker about furniture because I know that's what happens when you move in together. <laughs> Actually, the furniture stuff's been pretty easy. Oh, really? <laughs> then you know Just you guys wait. are no, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. You're meant to be. Next, we have Amal, 
who is from season four, episode three, called Dating as a Muslim Woman. And, and I'm guessing you're still dating as a Muslim woman. <laughs> <laughs> Not much has changed still there. <laughs> so the last time we spoke on that episode, you had a few years in New York, and then you came back to the Bay Area where you're from, and you were saying that it was a little different dating here than what you remembered, or at least different from New York. Has anything changed since that episode? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot has changed. I actually have st- I stopped dating more frequently, at least. I, I kind of pulled back from the apps a lot. Um, and I actually met somebody on one of the apps. I've been seeing him for like three months now, but we've oh, been taking nice. it really slow, which is nice. Three months? And is he, <laughs> what ethnicity is he? He is brown and he is Muslim. Oh, oh hey! <laughs> twist. <laughs> Plot twist. A little bit different than what you were used to before. Yeah, um, it's, you know, to be honest, it's kind of nice not to have to explain things, especially yeah. with the hecticness of the world right now, so... It's it's been working for me. Right. Does he know that (laughs) this is not the usual for you? Yeah, he knows. He he knows that. Yeah, we've we've talked about that. And, I mean, to be fair, I I dated Muslim guys when I was younger. It was more of, you know, as I got into college, I, I went a different route. But, like I said, it's kind of nice to get back here and not have to explain things. The last time we spoke, I would say the political landscape was just a little bit more heated than it is now. It's settled just a little bit. Do you still find yourself getting into very involved conversations with people on these dating apps? The political landscape has calmed down for most people, but not for Muslims. I mean, just Mm. the other day there was an explosion at a mosque in Minnesota. Mm. So these kind of things haven't slowed down for us. and, you know, it's kind of taking it back to my, my current dating situation. It is kind of nice to be able to be comforted by somebody who mm-hmm. can understand the same, you know, can, can feel what I feel when we hear these kind of stories, when we see the, these kind of things. So it, it hasn't necessarily died down for us. It's sort of beyond empathy because someone could have empathy for what you're going through, but this is like on a way well, deeper they level. Don't get it because it's not yeah. them. Like I think yeah. like until something happens to you, it's you can be very supportive and nice to someone. But until you've experienced something, it's hard to like really be able to go there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I have plenty of friends who are empathetic and supportive and mean well you know mean very well and genuinely care but at the same time there's a different level of understanding yeah well that's awesome that you found someone that you can connect with so well definitely yeah it's been a nice surprise good luck with all of that i mean three months is pretty substantial even though you're taking a slow it's still pretty substantial good. slow and steady yeah slow exactly. and <laughs> steady that's, that's my mantra Next on the phone, we have Kethan. Oh my goodness, Lost in Translation, season two, episode two. You were dating this girl, you took her to Italy, to your friend's <laughs> wedding. You 
got in the pool. <laughs> That's all I remember. Anyway, I she got drunk. She got drunk. She got in the pool. Things didn't work out. <laughs> Things didn't work out. <laughs> Enough said. But it also cut your your vacation short because she left earlier. Um, there was a lot of communication issues, a lot of miscommunication, but also a lot of a. a An opportunity for growth. Let's just say that. So, what's been happening since the the Italy pool girl? I will say I actually send that podcast to potential dates sometimes. Oh, I love it. Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not maybe because I'm not so smart. I don't know. Uh, but you know, SF to me has changed. I've been here a long time. Um, I've been here 14 years now. And I'll be honest, since that time, you know, I've, I've dated a fair amount of people, but no one long-term or enough to say, like, it was a real deal, you know? Um, and I feel like I want to get to a point where there's more deeper and meaningful connections. And it's so easy to get a first date in the city. Like, literally, you can press a button and have a first date in five minutes. But actually creating a relationship, something long-term, something that lasts... I'll be honest, it's eluded me. I was I was dating a girl back in the winter time, and she was fantastic. She was really great. But I'm also at the age where I'm trying to decide whether I want to have another child or not. And, mm. and she didn't. And that, that had potential. But, you know, we didn't want the same thing. And now I'm kind of like, maybe I don't want to have another kid. I don't know. I just paid my last child support check, which feels fantastic. But <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. It's like a... It's like a Write a passage now. Um, but obviously, I love and support my daughter, who's now going off to college. But I, I have an empty nest at 40. Right. Oh, wow, yeah. Remember on your episode, one of the things that we talked about the most was communication. How do you think yes. that's changed in your dating since the episode? Well, actually, I think one of the reasons I, I send it out. I, I, I've really worked in the last few years on communication. I think conflict resolution is something we talked about. Mm -hmm. and, and making... Not only what I feel really clear and kind of saying it not judgmentally, but listening to others. Yep. It's really hard to hear someone's feedback about you and not want to react. Mm. Right? Because right? you need to be like, wait, no, but. Yeah. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and so I've done a really, hopefully, a good job at kind of listening more. And I will say, you know. My family and friend relationships have improved a ton. My work relationships have improved a ton. Something interesting happened. So I hit 40 earlier this year. And at first, you know, I was on the dating apps. And um, all of a sudden, I got a ton of new matches at 40. Hmm. And I think it was all the women who were filtering out the under 40s. Oh, yeah. Desirable. Oh, interesting. Those are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went from literally having, like, match a day to having like four or five matches a day and I was like what is going on this is interesting but then you know it's now it's like six months later and as of today I deleted all my dating apps every single one why I just felt like they became less about meeting people and more about it like some sort of Las Vegas slots game like you get this little Pavlovian response like oh it's a match and then you try to message the last few days I've been on Um, they've all been, incidentally enough, <laughs> meeting people at weddings. Nice. Um, which has been fantastic. But I think, you know, someone's already vetted you. Someone already said you're cool enough to come to a wedding. Sometimes, you know, you're either a groomsman or you're, I perform, so I'm in the wedding. And, and someone's already vetted you, you know? And 
and because I think it's a wedding, people are maybe more open-hearted. I feel like people are looking to date but not looking to have romance. I don't know. I, I don't mean to be so pessimistic, but it, it really has felt like I, I meet people and they're like, well, I'm just looking to see what's out there. And I'm like, where were you 10 years ago when I was wearing that? Backtrack for a sec. You said people are looking to date but maybe not looking for romance. What does that mean? I think we've optimized our Instagram, Facebook, you know, Snapchat live for the most amount of likes, the most amount of short-term gain. And I'm, I'm just as guilty of that as anybody else who doesn't like being socially kind of like liked for stuff. I actually threw a dating event um, back in February called Cupid Stupid. Yep. With us. <laughs> yeah. And people loved it. Yeah. People were like, you know, totally amazed that that you could connect and have this real in-person event. There was no apps. There was no, like, stick to it. It was just, like, show up, dress well, and have fun. Mm -hmm. You know? I feel like a lot of things right now are optimized for lightweight connections, especially apps. So I think that whole romance thing of, like, let's have a deeper connection. I'm with you. I totally deleted all my apps, too. I completely 100% agree on all that. I try to take a real, what's the right word, I don't even want to use the word authentic, but just like a real present approach to how I want to be. Like, so when I'm on dates, my phone's not even with me. Nice. I don't even, I don't even if I have to get it out, I'll, I'll say like, hey, I have to check where the lift is. I'm going to get my phone out. I actually say that. Because yeah. I want to create a feeling. And I also want to give it to technology. I don't think technology is what fixes us. I think what fixes us is us saying, hey, I really want to connect. So I, I don't mean to get personal, but I'm going to get personal, which yeah, is... Let's do it. You were sort of seeing my friend for a little bit, or at least wooing her for a little bit. What came out of that? Because I haven't checked in with her yet, but I'm going to check oh, in with wow. you first. You know, we actually met at a Landmark Forum event. If you're not familiar with Landmark Forum, it's a person. Oh, yeah, we are quite familiar because we had a guest on. Who... Wait, repeat it, though, for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, 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 true. It's, it's a personal development thorn, and I was actually really interested at first, but um, I went to one, of, I was a guest of someone, and I actually spoke in public and I talked about some really personal stuff about my, my daughter and my relation with her. And your friend happened to be the audience. That was our first interaction ever. So her first interaction with me is me pouring my heart out. Mm -hmm. um, and so we didn't really interact much. And then we were planning the Cupid Stupid event. And she actually reached out to me and said, hey, I have some guys that want to attend this event. And we take her there. We actually started talking. It got to the point we were talking on the phone every night almost for like an hour. Mm-hmm. I actually know that this was one of the other times where I feel like the thing I did wrong was there was some boundaries that were crossed. Mm. Um, and I didn't speak up for myself. And as a man, you're in this interesting place where I think obviously women want a strong man. Someone of the things that we actually talked about, she was turned on by strong men. And I think I am a strong man. But I think also women want a vulnerable man, a man that can speak his feelings. And there's this weird middle place where you're like, you want me to be strong, but if I'm vulnerable, you pull back, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, so I would, I would bring this full circle and say, because I've heard sort of her side of the story, but basically I know that through your time with her, you were romantic. And from her point of view, she was like, I don't know how to receive these gestures. And I thought that to be really interesting. It's like, you could meet someone really great but if you're not ready to receive them mm. in your life, mm -hmm. then it doesn't really matter. Right, and it means... No, that's definitely true. You know, let's be honest. I think this is something that's come up 
recently for me. I think the traction wasn't there for her. And and other things that might have happened might have been a way to mask it, but I don't think it was my idea. Attraction comes from so many sources. It's not just, I'm not physically attracted to you. I really think she's just not ready to receive you. And that goes hand in hand with attraction. We can talk about this for hours. I mean, we'll take this <laughs> offline, but I'm glad that we had this conversation. I'm glad you checked in with us. Good for yeah. you for deleting the apps, but you know, it shouldn't be like, I'm deleting the apps and I'm gonna, my life is gonna change or like I'm looking for some huge change. Nothing is really gonna change that much, but it's about your mindset of starting fresh, starting anew and taking a different approach. Right. Yeah, it, for me, it's it's really about like focusing on me, right? I think yep. there's there's a bazillion notifications. You know, I'm very active on social media, so like I don't need more kind of things. For me, deleting the apps is more about let me clear my head and be who I want to be. Yeah. And and look, if someone comes into my life who's ready to accept what you said, which I think is very true, that's great. But right now, there's other things I want to focus on, like my health and like my career. I think removing that pressure. It's mm -hmm. not only good for my prospects, it's also good for me. Totally. Yep. Keep us always. <laughs> our, we had our own little landmark moment there. That would be a thousand dollars. All right. Linda, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Linda. Hey. Gosh, we haven't spoken to you in so long. You're from season three, episode seven, in an episode called the dating experiment. And I remember this. You came to us with like an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> of, of all the, you know, the messages that you sent to people, the match rate, all that. What has happened since then? Um, well, so I, I mean, mainly I did that just to kind of track what was going on so I could understand my habits a little bit better. And, um, I think that, I mean, in terms of just, you know, dating, it really just made me see that you just have to message people more regardless and that people are just not really talking on the dating apps that much. So it kind of gives you the confidence to just be like, okay, well, let's just message everybody and what sticks, sticks. What's your situation Sorry. now, Linda? Are you dating? Are you in a relationship? What? Um, I'm dating. I'm not in a relationship. Um, I haven't, I kind of took a break from using all the apps for a long time. Um, I was in a relationship and then like that kind of ended. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, it definitely ebbs and flows in terms of like <clears throat> how intense you want to get with, uh, trying to go the messaging route and versus just trying to live your life. <laughs> Have you come to any conclusions as to like what messages are really effective? Yeah, I think that anything that is an open-ended question is super effective, uh, especially if it's a little bit random, um, if you're kind of like batch messaging people. Otherwise, like something that would be very targeted based on the profile that you're looking at. But um, often I feel like that just doesn't necessarily get a response in general. Sometimes it does, it's kind of like 50-50, but usually if it's an open-ended response, you can, people will just kind of take it or run with it and you can really see their personality right away, um, which I think is helpful. Is there an open-ended question that you've used recently? 
Um, well, recently I stole a message from Aziz Ansari. Oh, no, I, I think yeah. I know which one that is. Um, and it was, it was really funny, the responses. Um, so Can we repeat I, it I, for anyone that doesn't know first? What? Can you repeat it for anyone that doesn't know what it is? Sure. Um, <laughs> let me... It's, uh, it's like, hey, so-and-so, going to Whole Foods. Want me to pick you anything up? <laughs> so at least when people responded, I got a kick out of it just for my own enjoyment, even if they were like, what? <laughs> um, so. so I totally was on the receiving end of that, and I didn't <laughs> know the joke because I hadn't seen that episode, and I was like 11 o'clock, and the guy's texting me that, and I'm like, the fuck is Whole Foods even open now? Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, actually, I do need a rotisserie chicken. Damn it! <laughs> what are some of the responses you've gotten? Oh, um, well, my favorite one was like, "What up, Dev?" <laughs> oh, okay, that's, that's good. good. That's good. They're in on it. Um, but yeah, there's been a variety of responses. Like one that was pretty funny was um, a quarter pound of Turkish apricots and a lime mineral water. <laughs> So one person was like, beers and condoms, please. <laughs> that another guy like who had seen the show was like, how about the Masters of Nun, Nun box set on DVD? Have you gotten any that hadn't seen the show? Oh, yeah. Um, one guy was like, huh? LOL? Question mark? <laughs> That's basically Julie. Yeah. One person was like, which one? The one on Ocean or over in Potrero? Oh, specific. <laughs> wow. There were a lot, actually. This was like a pretty, uh, a pretty good um, message. Actually, one where I like totally dropped the ball was somebody responded, "Would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses?" And I didn't realize that that was a line from the first season. No idea. Mm, I didn't either. So he was giving yeah. you a line back from your line. Exactly. Oh, that's smart. Are you doing any sort of offline too? I don't know if other people have felt this, but like if you go out to the bars or go out in general and try to strike up conversations with people that you don't know, it it doesn't necessarily lead to, um, I'm going to ask you on a date right here and now sort of situation, which is unfortunate. I feel like that kind of used to happen more organically back in the day. But, totally. um, yeah, but you know what, what would be an interesting experiment for you, Linda, is if you took all your messages online and used them <laughs> offline, I dare you to go to a guy at a bar and be like, Hey, I'm going to Whole Foods. Do you need anything? <laughs> Just do it. I think you'd be more confused in that situation than if they got it like as a random message. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. You'd stand out. You'd be memorable, that's for sure. You'd be memorable. And then like actually go to Whole Foods. (laughs) That would make it a really expensive uh, endeavor. (laughs) If you come up with any more fun openers, let us know. Yeah. We want to share them on the show. Okay, sounds good. Cool. All right, have a fun time at Whole Foods. Aaron is on the phone now. We're checking in with Aaron from season four, episode four, in an episode called Levels of DTR. Define the relationship for those of you newbies. And in this episode, you talked about how you met this guy through Facebook's 
suggested friends list and you reached out to him and you guys started dating, you guys are like in a, we're in an open relationship and you know there were times that maybe he was like making out with other people in front of you or you were doing the same and what has been happening? Are you still with him? Yeah, no, so we're, we're not, we actually transitioned that into, um, into a really good friendship. He now actually has a boyfriend. Um, so yeah, so that's good. Um, you know, it's funny. I've had a lot of friends talk to me about that particular episode and we've, I've had a lot of really interesting discussions about it. So, um, people may remember that right, um, after that, um, that conversation, I was going to go travel for a couple of weeks um, in Australia and New Zealand. And so, um, I came back after that traveling and sort of re, you know, you know, had a discussion with him and talked about things and we kind of kept going along, um, for a little while, but what the big takeaway and, and so what ended up happening was that I realized, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about openness and we talked about, um, you know, I think that my previous relationships were less open and so this, or not open at all, as a matter of fact, and so this, uh, guy sort of was a breath of fresh air to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I didn't fully appreciate then that I am much more aware of now is how it's so not a binary. Um, mm. you know, I think a lot of people think, um, an open relationship or a closed relationship mm-hmm. and it's like this black or white thing. Mm. Well, what ended up happening with me in this guy was it became very clear to me that his level of openness was a lot more than I was comfortable with. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so I was the one who sort of had to step away from that, which was surprising given what my stance was when I was talking with you guys last, and I was really, you know, showering openness with um, with a lot of praise, and I still do. My 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 thoughts on that haven't changed. The only thing that's really changed was is that. When it comes down to levels of openness or levels of closeness in a relationship, I think that there are levels of comfortability that both people sort of have to be on the same page about, um, about what is, what, you know, you're willing to go through together. Um, and, you know, without getting into too much detail, you know, the guy just, you know, we, we misaligned in terms of how much openness we wanted. Um, you know, I think for me, I really wanted to, um, pursue something where I was more of a, you know, primary relationship, um, where we would sort of focus a lot of our sexual energy and time on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and it turned out in the end that he was much more into diversifying that, um, and, and having a lot more sexual partners than, um, than I, than I was having. And so, and you know, that's totally fine. I'm totally, you know, I'm not trying to set, you know, sex shame him in any way um, or be sex negative. It just what didn't align with sort of what I wanted and and certainly what I wanted out of relationship. Your episode is called Levels of DTR. We should do a follow-up episode (laughs) called Levels of Open Relationships, right? Because that's what it sounds like. So when you- That's what I went into, yeah. (laughs) When you were discovering that you were a little bit uncomfortable with the level of openness he was going, going with, how did that make you feel? Like, how did you know that you weren't okay with it? You know, I just, uh, yeah, it's a good question, um, because it wasn't a feeling of jealousy as one might expect. Mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, truthfully, it was, it's probably some of my own issues with things that I need to 
grapple with. I mean, th- there's just a there's first of all, there's a lot more diversity in what you can do sex wise in the gay community that is sort of more mainstream. Whereas I think a lot of heterosexual people would be sort of surprised at um, at all of the flavors of the rainbow that we can. <laughs> and there were just, I mean, you know, for me, I'm I'm. I wouldn't say that I'm super vanilla, but I also say that I, I would say, because I'm willing to try a lot of things, but I also would say that I'm not particularly kinky. Um, mm. And he's just someone who's very, very, very kinky and, um, you know, into doing a lot of different things. And some of those things are, were just not turn-ons for me. And mm. I think ultimately what it was is that was that um, someone who wanted to do those things was just it would, it's kind of a turn-off for me. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, you know... Well, it sounds like he found a match that was on the same wavelength, so that's important Or too. did he? I guess my question is, now you going forward, let's turn it back to you. How yes. would you prevent this from happening again? Well, I mean, I don't know that there's really a way of preventing it. I mean, I think the reality is is that you sort of you learn more things about people as you go mm-hmm. um you know when you're exploring a relationship you're like walking into a dark room and all you've got <laughs> is a flashlight and you're trying to look around and see as much as you can and over time you start to put the picture together and over time that's what i discovered what i saw at first was someone here's someone who's open here's someone who doesn't get jealous here's someone who you know is different from other guys that I've dated, um, and they seem very, you know, sexually liberated and sexually free in, a, in you know, a similar way that I am. Um, but it turned out that, indeed, there's also a spectrum in which I fall. And if you're not, you know, pretty close or similar in some way or, or maybe more accommodating, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm, I'm just not super accommodating. I mean, I think that there's also... You know, in, there's also the risk, I think, too, that it, when you're having a lot of sexual partners, particularly unprotected sexual partners, there's a lot of risk of constantly having to worry about STD checks yes. and STIs and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a part of me that would like to believe that in a relationship or moving towards a relationship, there's not a huge risk for that. Right. Um, or if there is, like, you know, you're... you're trying to mitigate against it so you're not infecting your partner or, you know, passing along things not only because it's just not good, it's just a huge hassle and then you can't act and then you're in sex jail for however long it takes right. for that to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like not fun. But maybe I think there are ways to prevent this or not to prevent completely, but to avoid some of the issues such as, you know, establishing that we're in an open relationship, but I'm your primary which means that I, we should be having more sex than you having sex with other people, right? And then also when you have sex with other people, it should be protected. Those are just some of the guidelines I think I would have. Right, and I think that those are very good ones. Um, I think right now in the gay community, especially in, and especially in San Francisco, there's sort of this renaissance of not using protection and the liberation that it um, sort of symbolizes. Really? Right, because after the, so obviously the AIDS crisis, you know, happened and it's still happening to a lesser degree, but, you know, once AIDS-related deaths started falling off in the mid-90s and now we have really good HIV medications, um, mm-hmm. both for people who have HIV um, and, you know, they can take a once-daily once pill and it's no longer a death sentence and it can bring them to a level of undetectability, which is what that's called, meaning if you are HIV positive and you're properly taking your medication, you can have unprotected sex with someone that is 
does not have HIV and not pass it on. Yeah. Because the, or the or the risk of passing it on is essentially less than if you were using a condom. It's very very low risk. Yeah. Combined with the fact that now we have PrEP. Um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Truvada, which enables, you know, is a once daily pill for people who are HIV negative and prevents you from, mm-hmm. you know, 100% effective from getting HIV. So all of that, all of which is to say that because the gay community had for so long been told that if you don't use condoms, you'll die of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And that has impacted the way that gay men have impacted gay identity, impacted gay relationships and socialization and the way that um, gay men have viewed sex for the past couple of decades. The fact that things like Truvada and these advanced medications exist now have liberated a whole generation of men in their 20s and 30s, well, all, all, all gay men, really, um, to have, you know, riskier sex and, you know, have have um, unprotected sex. Interesting. And I think that, the, yeah, and I think that, like, oh. in, the, in the community that I, that I see in San Francisco, um, using a condom is is not discouraged but not exactly encouraged either and so there's certainly no expectation that that would be the case Hmm. so uh, for a lot of gay men i think that if if a partner was to ask them to use a condom or if if a sexual partner or romantic partner is asked them to use kind of some you know there's a percentage of gay men who might think that that's a burden. I'm not saying that that's the case for this guy, right. but yeah. I think that that conversation has an added complexity of sort of putting people back into a closet or something that they feel liberated from. Um, so it's comp- that's, hmm. and you know another complicated factor. So do you do you find that you're thinking about this more because of this experience, or was this something that oh, was always talking? Yeah, about? and I'm talking about it a lot more with people. Mm. Um, you know, I'm talking about the ways in which people have open relationships because I have since then discovered that there are a lot of people who have this sort of experience um, where they're in a relationship and their levels of openness don't jive. You know, one partner's like, you know, I want to, you know, I'm open to having threesomes with you. And the other partner's like, no, you know, I also want to have sex without you. And that's a deal breaker or, you know what I mean? There's just like all these other different factors combined with the fact that you may have, the age-old issue, which is different varying levels of sex drive and mm-hmm. how that plays into that as well. If one partner you know, has a really high sex drive and the other partner has a lower sex drive, how you reconcile that with, with openness as well. So, We've been talking about STDs for a long time offline, really, because we've had a lot of listeners write in and say, I really want you guys to do an episode on STDs. So guess what we are? We have an STD expert coming in to talk about that because there is that stigma attached to it, but then there's also the health effects of it. Yeah, I- I'm excited to hear more about that as well. I know that there's a lot of great resources here in the city. And I encourage all the listeners to get tested. Yes, yes. There's, there's, I don't, you know, I talk to straight men and they're like, oh, I've never been tested. And I'm like, what? You know, one of the things that, I, yeah. that, that um, PrEP and Truvada, you know, these, these medications are, um, they force you, The you know, the clinicians force you to get tested mm-hmm. every couple of months. So, this is something where I regularly get tested every month or two, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that a lot of people don't. And so I'm thankful for that because it gives me more of a reason to go get tested and be more aware of my own health. Yeah, I wish we would empower people to get tested regularly. Just like when we vote, we get like, I voted sticker. <laughs> we should get, I got tested stickers when we get tested. 
Right. Uh, particularly men, because men can carry yep. STDs without knowing it, and women are much more vulnerable to not only just the STDs themselves, but also the after effects of, yes, of things. Yes, definitely. Um, it's scary. I think people are afraid aren't. to find out, though. I think there's like a yeah. level of being scared to know what's on the other side, but that I mean, should not be a reason I that can, you don't. I am perfectly comfortable in saying that I've had a few myself under my belt, so to speak, and there's nothing... That's scary about it. And it's better to but, find it earlier than to have it. Absolutely. Later, so. But I, I think before yeah. being scared of the results, I think a lot of people are just lazy. They yeah. don't want to get it done. Well, women have like more of an annual checkup that this happens yeah. at. So men, I don't know if, I mean, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of men's physicals, but like I'm assuming it's not as integrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally what you do, here's here's how it works, just real quick. You pee in a cup. You, <laughs> if you're a gay man, you will take um, a swab of your throat and your rectum, mm-hmm. um, and you put them in little vials, and you give it back to them. Obviously, if you're not engaging in oral or anal sex, then you don't need to do the... The oral or rectum part. I guess you probably do the oral if you're. I mean, if you're giving women oral sex or what have you. Anyway, the point is, is that depending on what your sex acts are, you swab those areas. And if you have a penis, pee in a cup, and that'll usually tell you most of your things. If you want to get tested for syphilis, you have to get your blood drawn. Right. Um, HIV is usually, um, a, you know, a, a blood draw, or they can do, um, you know, a swab of your mouth, sort of thing. And nothing too scary. But I mean, if you have an STD, the most common ones are you get a shot. You know, of something and you can't have sex for a week, which is yeah. better than letting it linger there. Yeah, and, and having or take antibiotics for a week, depending on which one it is. This is very informative. Very Thank informative. You so much. <laughs> informative as always. Preps as well. I did not realize we were going to have a conversation about STDs, but I'm all for well, it. We're going much deeper soon. <laughs> yes, season five. Can I, can I end on a, on a totally different subject? Absolutely. Yes, which is sense. Since that, um, since that conversation, that podcast happened last time, uh-huh. um, I met this wonderful British man, Ooh. Um, r- randomly out, very a very tall, fine uh, glass of milk. We met randomly, um, had a whirlwind love affair while he was here, um, working in the city. He lives in the UK. And um, we've communicated every single day since. Wow. Uh, you will, when, I, when I go to sleep at night, um, I try and stay up until 11 o'clock or midnight so that I can text him when he's waking up at Ooh. 7, 8 in the morning. And then he does the same thing for me before he goes to sleep in the afternoon our time. Um, and I have a trip scheduled to go see him in two months. Ooh. How exciting. Ooh. I love the enthusiasm, oh. enthusiasm about him. He sounds dreamy. Well, so maybe we'll have him on a future episode <laughs> across yeah. the pond. So we really want to say a huge thank you to everyone who helped us on voting and commenting on our South by Southwest panel. So just as a refresher, we've applied to create a panel for South by Southwest next year on the topic of the future of online dating with virtual reality. We've assembled an incredible group of people who have very opposing views on whether virtual reality is going to help us or hinder us when it comes to finding love. So to make this panel a reality, we have to go through several steps. And the first step is an online public vote. It counts for 30% of the final decision, and we really appreciate everyone who's helped us vote and also comment on the page. If you haven't done so yet, please help us upvote 
our panel discussion because we feel that this intersection of technology and dating should really be discussed in an open format. The future of dating is going to involve more and more technology, whether we like it or not. So it's extremely important for us to have an open discussion and a candid discussion about both sides of the story and how we can proceed with caution. Again, the goal of our podcast is to help each other be better and smarter daters and also just be better human beings to each other. So we felt that this topic would be really fitting with what we've already discussed on our podcast. And stay tuned until next week for the third installment of this check-in series. We have a few more guests that we need to give you some updates on. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Mm-hmm.